0: Good morning, New Life. Glad I could be with y'all this morning. Um, Thank y'all so much uh, for letting me be here. Um, It's a uh, huge blessing. I want to encourage you guys to do something before we get started this morning. Um, As Pastor Scott is away um, and taking a time of rest, be praying for him. Uh, Spend some time remembering him in prayer um, as he kind of spends some time away kind of uh, rejuvenating himself and, and spending time with his family. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, I am ex- excited to be here this morning. Um, my name's Jimmy as uh, many of y'all have, or has Austin has introduced me as, um, I am the area rep for the fellowship of Christian athletes here in Spartanburg districts two, three, and seven. Uh, what is an area representative? Um, basically what an area representative is, is that they kind of facilitate and do, uh, help get ministry done through the, uh, the uh, Ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I am in and out of over 10 schools um, from uh, Bowling Springs High School, Chesney High School, Broom High School, and Spartburg High School, and all of the middle schools that feed in. It used to be 11, but uh, Middle School of Packlet and uh, Cowpens Middle School are mid, uh, merging to form Cliffdale Middle. So a uh, little for you FYI information that you guys um, may not really care to know about. But anyway, um, I am with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and what we do, our main mission is to and through the coach. So we seek to build relationships with the coaches and athletes, but mainly the coaches so that we can reach the athletes. Um, So for example, I have been a part of uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes kind of as a character coach. And as I worked as a character coach, I was building a relationship with the coaches Um, of the Bowling Springs football team. I have been the chaplain for the Bowling Springs football team for the past few years. Uh, Great opportunity. So we build the relationship to the coach uh, first so that they can, they themselves can hear the gospel and grow and come to know uh, know Jesus Christ. And then uh, because we have the kind of rapport built with the coach, we go and uh, then take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the athlete on the team. And so um, this area in District 2 Specifically, uh, has not seen a direct area representative in a few years, um, and so I, uh, a few months back, I was serving as a student pastor, and the Lord started working in my life, and uh, kind of, uh, kind of crazy how He did it because we were in the middle of an adoption, um, whom we 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 just uh, got our baby boy, um, the twenty second of March. So this is my first Father's Day as well. Um, so happy Father's Day, dads! Um, but uh, so, yeah, squirrel. Anyway, um, that. <laughs> so we're, we're tuning through the coach with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. God called me through that, um, and we have been on a journey um, to step into that position, and hopefully by August 1st, we want to be fully funded into that position. Um, I'm only needing four more $100 a month donors to, uh, to be fully funded. And let me kind of put it on a smaller scale, because I like to kind of break things down uh, personally, I like when kind of you think, "Oh my gosh, hundred dollars a month." Well, if you look at it this way, average family of four. How many families of four or more do we have in here? Do we have amver- or that are from a family of four? Okay, average family of four. Um, they usually eat out uh, 4.2 times a week, whether it be fast food, whether it be sit-down restaurant. And on average, those families of four about twenty-five dollars if you're lucky to feed the whole family. No, maybe. Maybe $25. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right. So, okay, that, that's going to help me here. So 25, we're, we're going to be generous and $25 a month. So um, take one of those meals with your family per week and, and say, hey, we're going to, you know, eat in or maybe, maybe have cereal night or something like that. Um, and, and that would uh, put me over the hump and get, uh, help me out tremendously if y'all would, uh, you know, if there's a few families in here that would be willing to do that. Um, So that breaks it down to about $100 a month, and that's kind of crazy because we don't see um, We don't think about it And and the running joke is once you break the hundred or once you break the twenty in your pocket It just disappears, but um, so that's how close we are Um, Praying that the Lord's gonna bless us and and get us there uh, by August 1st so we can be in the schools um, Come the start of the new school year So that is kind of who I am what I do Um, But before we dive into God's word I want to take a time and just pray for us, um, and uh, we'll, we'll get into God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Lord, we thank you for our fathers. Um, Lord, and even as a time that, God, we thank you that just as, your, as, as our Heavenly Father, that um, Lord, that you have demonstrated your love to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, in such a magnificent way that we can gather on this um, day and just spend time in your word, spend time praising you. And Lord, um, I just ask that as we, uh, we, we study your word, that your name be magnified and that people would be drawn to you because of these, these words shared. Be honored in this time and we just ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. So as a new believer, as uh, when I was 16 years old, um, I uh, everything was really new to me. I had grown up in church. I was raised a Wesleyan Methodist, um, saved in a Church of God, and discipled in a Baptist church. So there you go. Um, but the uh, one of the big things that kind of stuck out to me uh, as a young kid being in church life, um, but also um, just kind of hearing it constantly was the word revival and so when i when i say that word immediately memory come you know i i get memories of you know um when i was a kid my mom would make me pack my my box of hot Wheels cars and sit me up on the front bench right here where where she was she would play the piano for revival and it was basically oh my goodness got to go to church every night and, and i remember i would play with my hot Wheels cars on the front pew okay uh, as, as I came to know the Lord and, and, and even gone, you know, um, I went to North Greenville University. That's where I graduated from. Um, North Greenville has a, a thing every, at the beginning of every year they do. Well, I don't know if they do it anymore. I don't know. Y'all may be up, frankly, you might be able to help me out here, but they do a, a tent revival at the beginning of every year. They don't do it anymore. Or do they still do it? Okay. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up there at the beginning of the year, but they, uh, when I was, uh, at North Greenville for, for my, uh, four and a half years, I, um, they did a tent revival at the beginning of every year, and so it was a gathering of people and so that kind of was my uh, perception of what revival is or was. We think about revival we automatically our minds go to okay an event uh, uh, you know we may think of the big the big white tents with the the plywood stage and and the metal chairs and the and the sawdust down on the ground and and a lot of those big industrial box fans at the corners of the at the corners of the tent and and a pastor preaching and 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 kind of yelling a little bit and we may think that, that that's revival those things are great those things are good don't don't hear what I'm not saying but a lot of times we think that that is that is what revival is that and that only a lot of times we think you know and and the way it's kind of been packaged Sometimes we experience revival through going to conferences, going to see uh, C- Somersault, not see C- Somersault. Somersault here in a couple of weeks with the students, right? That's a revival of some sort with the students. But what is revival? Is it an event or is it something constantly ongoing in our lives as believers? That's the question that I want to ask you guys here and so when we look at the word and see i'm, I'm a person okay well, in order to figure out what is we got to start with the the proper definition of the word revival and so the english oxford dictionary defines revival as an improvement in the condition or strength of something okay as believers if we're using the word revival we've got to ask ourselves the question okay well what are we improving the strength strengthens the condition of what are we improving the strength and conditioning of if, if, if that's the something? If we say, hey, we're having revival as a church, what are we improving the strength and conditioning of? Our times that we visit the church? Or are we genuinely looking at our personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And how to improve the strength and condition of that relationship? Not just a one-time event, but how to constantly be improving. We can always be learned. So we look at this. Like I said, true revival is a one-time event. Let's grab this just for a second. Revival has to do with the heart of God's people. And more specifically, it has to do with being broken for our sin and desiring a deliverance from our sin that results in a true life change. That's the start of revival revival starts with repentance see revival starts as we demonstrate repentance revival revival starts as we kind of work through the stages of repentance and you're going okay jimmy what are you talking about here stages of repentance what what's what's going on here was it's it's a beautiful thing that we get to see in second samuel chapter 11 verses one through five when we look at it but see here's the thing the stages of repentance the, the the stages that we go through okay for for there to be repentance of course we have to go okay well there has to be sin to repent from okay so we got to start right there the stages of repentance starts when we stray that's when sin starts it starts when we stray now when we look at stray it means to wander to wander without a fixed course and when we look at when we look at second samuel 11 Uh, one through five we see that because see here's the thing I know for many of you guys that may know me um, I I tend to wander when I tell stories if y'all may have maybe not have picked up on that already I kind of get distracted and I chased a squirrel a couple minutes ago and and I, I kind of make the joke with me when I tell one story you get three stories so it's a kind of a three for one deal and so I tend to wander I tend to ramble a little bit when I tell a story okay i i i kind of work around without a fixed course and we're going to see that with david here this is the beginning now let me let me encourage y'all this is a story that's very popular in god's word it's very well known we can you know if we've been walking with jesus for a while we could probably tell kind of a loose version of the story of david and Bathsheba. okay we get that. We, we kind of know the nuts and bolts of the, of the story and we go, okay, yeah, and click, turn off and kind of check back in when I say amen here in a minute. Don't do that. I want to encourage you that, that anytime God's word is shared, there's something new to learn from it because it is living and active. So when we grab this, I want you guys to look at this. The stages of repentance starts and, and it starts actually where sin starts. Sin starts when we stray So grab this, 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5, says this, in the spring of the year when kings normally go off to war, the author was very, very, very intent on saying when kings go off to war. So that gives you a clue as to what was going on or or that something should be going on that wasn't going on. David sent Joab, the Israelite, uh, and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof of his palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath and he sent someone to find out, uh, to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. By the way, let's pause just for a second. A lot of times we get, uh, the cool thing that I found out about Uriah when I was studying this passage of scripture, we just kind of think Uriah was just a dude in the army. No, Uriah was one of about 40 or so men that were kind of a special ops unit. He wasn't just a soldier. He was one of David's like, I don't know what we would call him, but I I think it would kind of be more along the lines of a green beret or something like that. Like he was a dude when it come to military battle. And so he just wasn't another soldier. So let's pick it up. Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just uh, completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. And then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I am pregnant. We stray. Anytime we look at sin, maybe a sin that you may be struggling with or whatever, it always goes back to a point where we stray from what God's plan is for our lives. Whether it's a simple day-to-day plan or an overall big overarching plan of what God's calling us to, sin always starts where we stray and that that's where repentance starts you look here and you see where david was neglecting the god-given duties he was idle beyond rest and he literally scripture tells us that he was wandering on top of the roof he was walking around he had just finished taking a nap y'all grab what david was supposed to be doing as king of Israel he was supposed to be on the front lines with his men leading his men into battle that's why the author was so so set on expressing that in the spring of the year when the kings normally go off to war y'all got and he's telling the reader saying hey David wasn't doing what he was normally supposed to be doing as king dad today's father's day For the dads that are in here, happy Father's Day. I want to ask you a question though. Are you doing what God's called you to do as leading your family and as being a father? Are you raising your children in the Lord? Are you making Scripture a centerpiece? Are you making God's Word a centerpiece of your household? Are you leading your wife? Because if we're not, that's what we're normally, as as men of God, as fathers, that's what we're called to do. So we're straying right there. See, David's wandering led him to actually committing sin with Bathsheba. An interesting thing too about this story, right here in this passage, this little chunk, as the author is telling the story, he only mentions Bathsheba's name right here. And he refers to her for the rest of the story as Uriah's wife. Because the author's wanting you to see the magnitude of what David actually did. Because it started with him straying, it started with him wandering. Then it goes to we actually commit the sin. See, David neglecting God's will, God's call on his life, actually caused him to commit the sin. Okay? And then here's the big part after we commit the sin, we live in an unrepentant, sinful condition, we're broken. Okay, this unrepentant sinful condition spews over into our lives because we try to fix it in every other way other than going to God and repenting. We try to fix it with going to baseball games or we try to fix it with our hobbies or, or we try to fix it with anything and everything. We try to push it into this, this God hole that, that, that our sin has created that only the Lord can fill and it ends up spewing over and we become miserable. have a hard time saying that word sometimes miserable there we go it leads to poor decisions and you think about this david was wandering he strayed he committed the sin and it led to poor decisions we know how this plays out he puts uriah on the front line he has some of his guards coming in he says hey put uriah on the front line well actually I i got a little ahead of myself he calls uriah in he tries to fix it himself here he calls uriah in and says hey um, go be with your wife. And Uriah's like, no, no, king, I, I'm going to be right here. I'm not going to leave your side. So he sleeps at, kind of with the palace guards. And David doesn't find that out until the next morning. And so the next kind of plan is that he, he gets Uriah drunk. And he says, go be with your wife. He still doesn't. Finds him the next morning. And so he puts Uriah on the front lines. And see, it leads... it it snowballs here's one poor decision after the other that David makes handling this situation other than repenting saying okay I messed up Lord and repenting of his sin the next thing you know it goes from sin to having her Uriah being dead and being killed from being on the front lines see here's the thing too once Uriah was killed David thought he got away with it See, we may, when we're dancing with sin, we may, we may think we get away with it. We may think we get away with it because in 2 Samuel 11, 26 to 27, we see this. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned. And when the period of mourning was over, David sent for her, uh, David sent for her and brought her to the palace. She became one of his wives. She gave birth to the son, but the Lord was displeased in what David had done. David thought he had gotten away with it. Oh, but wait. Because when you read on into chapter 12, there's a guy by Nathan, by the name of Nathan, that confronts David. And I want to I charge here, I want to charge you as a believer today, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ... You need a Nathan in your life. I have a re- relationship with a close friend. I, when I came to know the Lord at 16, 17 years old, literally within days, he brought him into my life and, and he introduced him to me. Um, and we have been very, very close friends since then. And he is a guy that when, I, when he calls me, I know he's going to ask me hard questions. I know that if I've got something going on in my life, he's going to confront me about it. If he sees me being silly and he sees me being crazy and stupid, he's going to say, hey Jimmy, uh, what's going on here? Why aren't you leading your family like you're supposed to be leading? Why are you doing this? Why are you going this direction? Why are you going here? See, that's what Nathan did. Nathan brings, he kind of goes to David and he tells him this whole story that kind of gets David lathered up. And he's like, well, yeah, this guy should be done A, B, C, and D. And then Nathan looks at David and he goes, you're that guy. I know what you've done. And he confronts. And see, that loving confrontation, that Nathan relationship that we all need when that Nathan comes to our life and confronts us, we shouldn't, our, our, our ultimate, our, our na- not our ultimate, our natural reaction to that is to kind of get angry with it. Get mad, how dare he or how dare she or, or well that, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe they, because they, they lovingly called you out on something. And, and by the way, believer, lovingly, because you're going to a brother and sister. Just a reminder, Facebook's not the place to do that. Or social media, whatever you decide to do. Whatever social media of choice is not your, not the place to do that. You go to them one-on-one and you say, hey. And there's a process for that. If they don't want to listen to you there, you, you bring another brother or sister. And you walk them through the process of calling them to repentance. But see, we need that relationship in our life, that loving confrontation. And it helps lead us to repentance. And when David realized that Nathan had called him to the carpet on this situation, he repented. And that is the beautiful thing about it. See, 1 John 1, 8 and 9. The beauty of repentance. Yes, yes, it is, it is a turning. It is a turning away from our sin and turning towards a holy God. But it says this, 1 John uh, 1 8 through 9 says if we claim we have no sin we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth but if we confess our sins the beauty of repentance but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness but if we confess our sins to him if we repent and see here's the hard part about it here's a big point repentance which leads to revival, is more than just being sorry. More than just being sorry you got caught. Nothing more has taught me about really being sorry about hurting someone more than my marriage. I love my wife. And fellas, we know some of the hardest times that we have is when we gotta say that I'm so, I'm. So, Mm, I'm sorry phrase to our wives. But also on the other hand, there are no, it's a phrase that can be healing as well. Because see, when I go to my wife and I tell her I'm sorry for something that I've done, if I have hurt her, if I have brought offense to her, or if I have done something that has, that has, that has hurt her in some way and I need to tell her I am sorry, I don't just go to her and say, all right, I'm sorry, and then walk on. It's, it's, you know, and, and, you know, for those of you that have children, it's, it's mean it, you know, you got to mean that you're sorry. Um, My wife wants to see that I am sorry. I don't, I don't offend, you know, I don't bring offense to her, apologize for it, and then go back and do that same thing again. See, it's, a, it's acknowledging a legitimate wrongdoing. Uh, repentance is an, acknowledging a legitimate wrongdoing towards a holy God. And once we repent, we begin to see the whole big picture of how our sin offends a holy God. We see the big picture of our conviction. We see the big picture of the need of our confession of us going to, the, to, to God and repenting. And, and we see that repentance. We see the need of that repentance. And we begin to see the whole big picture but the truth is sin does leave scars sin does leave scars I recently walked through no pun intended but um, I had an incredibly left flat foot and as all of y'all are now looking at my left foot it's right there um, but it's so bad to the point that my ankle was about, the bottom of my ankle was about two inches from the uh, side, bo- uh, touching the ground even when I would wear shoes. My, my foot was heart, heavily deformed. Um, before we actually walked through the, the adoption process, my, uh, we I actually had an ankle surgery, a, a serious ankle surgery. They, they had to take my ankle that was on the side of my foot like this essentially break my foot, put my ankle on top of my foot and do a reconstructive surgery of my ankle. Well, the fun part about that was is that was only supposed to take about two hours, but when they put my ankle back on top of my foot the way your ankles are, your normal ankle is, um, my foot snapped straight down on the operating table. And so they had to go in and do a Achilles operation at the same time to put my foot back in position to where it would kind of operate normally. So three screws, and about nine months later, um, I have some serious scars on my foot. Praise the Lord, it works. I can walk, I can stand on it, I don't have to wheel around on a scooter like I did for nine months. Praise the Lord, it works. However, if I were to take my shoe off, and Franklin were to take that camera and zoom in on my left foot, you would see some serious scarring. The Lord has healed me. The scars are still there. However, it's a testimony to the beauty of the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ when we look at that. And when we go to Him in repentance, when we are seeking revival and we go to Him in repentance, and we see the scars, but it speaks to the glory, grace, and mercy of the God in whom we serve. Just like I, I put you guys and I show you the scars on my foot. Yeah, I've got scars on my foot, but I can walk now. Praise the Lord. And here's the cool thing. I don't know if many of you know this, but we see uh, we see David talking, and we see David's repentance in Psalm 51, verse 1 through 12, where he specifically talks about this. I just want to read this to you guys. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion blot out the stains of my sin wash me clean from my guilt purify me from my sin for i recognize my rebellion it haunts me day and night there's that repentance he's recognizing it and against you and you alone have i sinned i have done what is evil in your sight And you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just for I was born a sinner. Yes, the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back the joy. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove all the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Catch that. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation in you and make me willing to obey you. Not willing to go back down this road. He's showing a genuine, uh, a genuine sorrow and he is repenting. And we also see that it, one of the steps is that, that, that it, our sin leaves us broken. Broken and in need of repair it's the result of sin. We see it right here that David, genuine, in, in this psalm, that David couldn't stand himself until he knew he was right with God. See, y'all, broken don't work right. I'm from Bowling Springs. <laughs> Let my boiling springs come out a little bit. Broken, don't work right. I think about, um, you know, just the struggles with with lawn equipment and stuff like that. Um, uh, Specifically, right now I have a weed eater um, that is that is an older weed eater. Uh, It works better than my newer weed eater, and I've had my older weed eater repaired, and still it don't work right. I still got to get it fixed. Broken, don't work right. It doesn't work like it should. And see, when we're broken, here's the beauty of it. When God breaks us because of our sin, he's saying, hey, let me put you back together. You quit trying to put yourself back together. Let me put you back together. Only Jesus can do that. Only our personal relationship with Jesus can put us back together through our confession, our repentance of our sin, and our placing our faith in in the one true living God's son, Jesus Christ, Through his death, burial, and resurrection, that is the way that broken can be fixed. Well, Jimmy, I'm not as bad as David. I I haven't, you know, (laughs) I haven't cheated on my wife. I haven't cheated on my husband. I haven't done this or done that. I'm not as bad as David. I haven't had a man killed. I'm not bad as David. David. I'm not as bad as him. True, but I think the thing that we've got to grab here, if y'all are following along with with me, we're wanting revival. And for revival to happen, we have to have repentance. And for repentance to happen, there is stages that we are having to walk through. And here we are going, okay, well, yeah, I need to repent of my sin, but I'm not as bad as David. Here's the thing that we've got to grasp about our sin. Any unconfessed sin breaks fellowship with the Holy God. Grab that again. Any unconfessed sin breaks fellowship with the holy God. And we love to live in that sin like I was talking a while ago. That misery kind of spews over. Bubbles over. But for there to be revival in this church here at New Life or, or here in Bowling Springs or even, even anywhere, it doesn't start with a tent meeting. It doesn't start with us you know even though I love music it doesn't start with us singing a bunch of songs it starts personally for revival to happen in this church for these seats to be filled here in this church it starts with you personally it starts with me personally I know I'm sitting here wagging my finger but it it, it starts with me revival starts with me if I want to see revival in my life revival in my community revival through the ministry of fellowship of Christian athletes it starts with Jimmy McFarlane It starts with our churches, it starts with us, and it doesn't start without us repenting of our sin. And we need to get transparent. Well, okay, Jimmy, well, how how do we get transparent? What does that look like? We, once again, I know you guys talked about solitude last week. That's where it starts. We have to get along with God. We have to make that a priority. We have to get along with God, and, and we have to seek personal revival. We have to ask the Lord to examine our heart. And I think one of my favorite Psalms, and once again, David talking about this, the guy that actually committed and did what we're talking about here, he writes Psalm 139 and he says, "O oh Lord, you've examined my heart. He's asking God to examine his heart. He got along with God and he's asking him to examine his heart. Grab that. And then on in verse 23, he says it again. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We've got to get transparent. We've got to take the mask off, y'all. If we're wanting God to work in our lives, if we're wanting God to revive us, we've got, we, we have to get transparent. We have to take the mask off. One of the big things too is we've got to look at our relationship with others. This is the hard part. This is the hard part because we don't like confrontational conversations because we think that a lot of times it's going to end up negative going to end up bad that person is going to verbally beat me up or whatever but we have to for revival to happen we have to talk about these, these things and one of the big things is is that we have to look at our relationship with others the people that are in this room that come to this church the people that you're in your community, your neighbors. As we grab this, look at this. John, First John two nine says, "If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a, a fellow believer, that person is living in darkness." Then he says it again in First John three fourteen. He says, "If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead." It's not a, I'll get around to it type thing. It's a command, y'all. And there are going to be people hard to love. I'm hard to love at times. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. But we are called. This is a part of revival happening. For revival, also happened. We've got to look at our heart of pride. We've got to put ourselves aside. We've got to look at this and we've got to go, you know what, dealing with pride starts, square one, dealing with pride starts with, guess what? We have to humble ourselves to each other, but also to a holy God. Proverbs 15, or excuse me, Proverbs 16, five says this, the Lord detests the proud and they surely will be punished. Grab that just for a second. The Lord detests the proud. There are not a lot of things in this world that I detest. I'm a Clemson fan, okay? And, and grabbing the magnitude of this word, I have used that in times referring to the teams that I, as a Clemson fan, that I shouldn't like. Of course, you know, candidate number one, South Carolina football, right? Candidate number two, Florida State, really, really close right there behind them. Then Georgia Tech, okay? As a Clemson fan, you know that over the years, those three teams have caused us a lot of frustration. And there are times where I've used the word detest, but I've used it foolishly when referring to that. Now looking at this, this verse, he detests the proud. You can't stand pride. Pride is, is putting ourselves before God. finally one of the things that we've got to do for revival to happen is we have to explore our relationship with the lord if you're wanting the lord to show up here in in, in this room on a sunday morning but you're not spending time with him daily during the week guess what that ain't how it works see we make time for the things that we want to make time for my student pastor when i was growing up he, he told me this he said hey um, as you grow older, as you, you uh, grow in age and, and get your family one day with Jimmy and all this, and he said, we were specifically talking about making time for the Lord. And he said, he said, the earlier you get up, the more selfish you can be with that time. And he said, when you're selfish with that time, you can take and give it to the Lord and make it of some use. And that's tough because... A lot of y'all have early days that start. Oh, that means I got to get up at 4.30. Maybe. Might mean, mean get in bed a little bit early so you can grow and explore and, and make that relationship with the Lord a little bit stronger. Grab this. Titus 1.16 says this. Such people claim that they know God, but they deny Him by the way that they live, which is detestable, disobedient, worthless for anything Uh, doing anything good there's that word detestable again I think with us living in the Bible Belt one of the hardest things that we have to fight is casual cultural Christianity this area was built on the backs of a lot of great people that made being in the Lord's house a priority, made being in the Lord's word a priority but as the years have gone by this has become more of a tradition than a priority a priority for us to be in, for, for all of this to take place, for our relationship with the Lord to grow, we have to spend time with Him. We have to be in the Word on a daily basis. See, I use this illustration a lot, especially when I talk to students. August 31st, 2013 was the day that I married my wife. We got married in whole Georgia. The ceremony, you know, of course, was beautiful, um, it was amazing, it was awesome. And, and you know, we, we exchanged our vows. We, we did, you know, the whole thing. And as we were announced for the first time, we walked back down the aisle. What would have happened? How long would my wife have stayed married to me is if, if we had walked back down the aisle, out the back of that barn that we got married in? And I just looked at her and said, all right thanks for doing this. I'll see you later. And I got my car and left. How long do y'all think my wife would have remained married to me? Do y'all think she would be still married to me seven years later? If I'd have just gotten married right there, never talked to her, never spent time with her, never grew our relationship, never did any of those things to build our marriage. If I'd have just said, all right, see you later. And I'd went on my way. Would I still be married to her today? Hey, would you still be married to me today, right now? No, okay. See, there we go. She wouldn't still be married to me. Why? Why? But yet, y'all, we don't know and we wonder why revival doesn't happen, but yet we haven't spent time with the Lord weeks, months, years well jimmy i don't know how to come ask i i I guarantee you i guarantee you if you were to call scott or if you were to call franklin or austin and say hey show me how to do this they would make time to show you how to do it what that would look like but the reason that we're not experiencing revival is because we're not walking with the lord on a daily basis that's Point blank, the issue. See, here's the thing. I heard a wise man once tell me, you can tell me all day long what you believe. Yeah, Jimmy, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But you will inevitably live out what you believe. Living that way is detestable. Titus tells us that. Y'all, for repentance and revival to happen, repentance, an improvement of the condition and strength of our relationship with the Lord has to happen. Repentance is the first step. Saying, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know. Lord, search my heart. Dare to be David today. Here in a couple minutes when the band comes back up and we just kind of have a time of closing this service out, dare to be David today and, and and sit there in your seat and say, Dear Lord, search my heart and show me of anything that is detestable to you that I need to get out. Lord, I want you to bring revival into my life. I want, and, and, and if y'all can't look at the culture today and say that we don't need revival let's have a talk after service because I would love to show you where we need revival and for revival to happen it starts with you it starts with me getting along with God saying search me O Lord know my heart show me what I need to get out of my life show me those things that don't honor you I want revival. I want to see revival in the halls of our school. Because I see that that's how change is going to happen. In our public schools, our middle schools. We are at war with an enemy that wants nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy your family. So I want to get on the front lines with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Believer, what are you going to do? Where are you at? Jimmy, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I can do. It starts right where you're at by repenting. Asking God, show me what doesn't bring you honor and glory in my life. Get it out. Help me to be and even <laughs> Second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Lord, help me to live in repentance so that you can use me as a conduit to bring revival to my area. Whether it be where I work, where I play, where I go to church, where I shop for groceries, anywhere that you lead me. But it starts with you revival starts with you for revival to happen at New Life it starts with you so as we close here I'm going to pray and this is going to be a time where it's just you and God I feel sure that these, these steps can be used as an altar if there's somebody in this room that you need to have a conversation with Because the ultimate goal is to be revived as His church, ladies and gentlemen. To honor Him. To bring glory to Him so that others may know. But it starts with you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for what You've done today. And Lord, even through the words of David, even through this story, Revival is something that we desire in our lives. And Lord, we know that revival starts with us. Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, Holy Spirit, convict us, draw us, work in our hearts. And Lord, may this be the point where we look back and say, this is where revival started in our lives, our church, our community, and to you be the glory, and to you alone be the glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name.